Hello, and welcome to the Breaking Over the Anxiety podcast. I am your host, the anxiety nutritionist, gut and hormonal health expert, yoga and meditation teacher, and cat mom, Taylor Jandro. And this podcast is designed to show you how to relieve and resolve your anxiety disorder through the powerful combination of food, lifestyle changes, targeted supplementation, gut and hormonal health optimization, nervous system regulation, yoga, meditation, mindset, lifestyle coaching, and more. And today we are talking all about postpartum anxiety with Dr. Jenna, who is a mom of three. So she understands the whirlwind that is postpartum and motherhood. With every pregnancy, not only is a baby born, but so is a mother. And this process of becoming a mother is a time of massive physical, mental, and spiritual change. Despite how the current care of mothers is set up, healing does not end at six weeks postpartum. The mother needs just as much care as the baby, if not more, during those initial months. And this is exactly where Dr. Jenna's passion lies in helping women recover and thrive during such an overwhelming time of life. Postpartum depression and anxiety can occur within the first six weeks after giving birth, but it's often it peaks around six to nine months. It's really important to be aware of this and recognize that those feelings are not a reflection of your ability as a mother. Instead, this is being influenced by hormonal changes, increased stress levels, nutrient deficiencies, blood sugar dysregulation, the demands of pregnancy and breastfeeding on the body, and the lack of support for new moms all of which is not a reflection of a mother's ability to cope, but rather it's a physiological response that can be addressed with proper support, which is exactly what we're going to cover in today's episode. And please do me a favor and share this episode with all of your mom friends or anyone you know who wants to be a mother. Together, we can spread the awareness so that more women entering postpartum are fully supported. Dr. Jenna, welcome to the Breaking Up With Anxiety podcast. Thank you so much for coming on. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Okay, why don't we just jump right in. First, tell us a little bit about you, how you got to practice, all the amazing things you practice, and then we're going to talk all about postpartum anxiety. Yes. So I'm Dr. Jenna Priestap. I'm a naturopathic doctor um, who is very passionate about maternal health, especially that first year postpartum. And the way that I got here basically was I had my first daughter. I have three babies now, um, but I had my first daughter actually during my third year of med school. And what I thought would happen postpartum was completely different from what actually happened. I thought that everything was going to go smooth. It would be fine. I could jump right back into all my assignments and stuff like that. And that was not the case. I was absolutely exhausted. I didn't know. I was leaking from multiple orifices, didn't know what to do, navigating this new identity. And especially because I've always been someone who's more high performing. Like I've always been good at juggling all of the things, anything I put my mind to, I could do it. Like all of the things, but now I'm navigating this new terrain of being 
a new mom and I was falling flat on my face. I didn't know what was happening. Um, and that's when I actually hit the re got the realization of how little we support moms. Everybody focuses on the baby. Yes, it is incredible. There is this new life to take care of and this new life that just joined the universe. But also there's a new mom who usually gets left in the dark and she is going through so much. She needs just as much care, if not more than the new baby. And I kind of realized that this is a void that I can fill. And just through, there, there were a lot of things going on, but- This is the Coles Notes version. <laughs> exactly. If we're going to just keep this to an hour, yeah, <laughs> I've been able to apply my own knowledge. And now through each- of my postpartum uh, adventures basically, really been able to uh, fine tune how I practice and just really trying to like start the movement of like mama's postpartum care. We really need to focus on mom and not even just those first six weeks. For that whole first year, even past those first, like past that first year, there's so much that changes. But the fact that our care stop, stops at six weeks is absolutely insane. Um, but anyways, that's where I like to come on in. And <laughs> I love that you called it an adventure. What an excellent like reframe and way to look at it. I have so many questions. I have a lot of speculations and suspicions. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to just like ask you questions and we're going to go. But my first question is because I hear this a lot from women in my DMs and even the women that I work with. And they will say, I had no anxiety until I had baby and then I had my baby and then all of a sudden I developed anxiety. Can you speak to like what's going on here? Yeah, for sure. So postpartum anxiety, it's a, it's a complex thing. So what's happening to one person isn't necessarily the reason why someone else is experiencing this. However, the, a big component of it is the hormonal changes that happen postpartum there's the after you have a baby your hormones drop off basically especially progesterone as i'm sure you preach is like your anti-anxiety hormone but it just drops on off which then makes you more prone to anxiety however at the same time you're navigating this new identity which is everything is new being a mom there's so many things you're trying to learn that your stress is so high and cortisol is just pumping through your veins which is again making you more anxious you have so much more on your mind you have so much more that you're trying to navigate um but it's also not just in your mind it's not that's what's happening a lot of the times there are nutrients, which we can talk about later on, but the nutrients that you use to create your baby are the same ones that when depleted contribute to increased risk of postpartum depression and anxiety, irritability, fatigue, all of these things that just get written off as new motherhood, even just motherhood in general. And that's not the case. So there are nutrient deficiencies that are contributing to you this anxiety, as well as a lot of the times like blood sugar dysregulation is huge. You're aka you're not eating the right foods or you're not eating enough, which again Eat more protein. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> I'll die on this hill. Yes. Protein. But yeah. <laughs> 
That's another big one. That's because it's not so cut and dry as to you have a baby, this happens, that's why you have anxiety. It is so unbelievably complex that what's happening to one person isn't necessarily the cause of another. But in general, there are, it's not just in your head. That's what I just really want to try and uh, like shout from the rooftops is it's not the fact that you aren't coping. It's not the fact that you aren't meant to be a mom, which I have had that painful talk conversation with many women who feel that it's just because of me. It's just because I'm not meant to be a mom. And that is not the case. There are physiological reasons for it. And the good news is there are supports that can be put in place. Yeah. I'm obviously not a mother. I mean, I have fur babies, not human babies, uh, but I used to nanny for years, which is not the same as giving birth, but I understand what mothers do day in and day out and just how much it is like to, I've nannied one-year-olds, two-year-olds, three-year-olds for about three years. I was working with little toddlers. So I know it was the best birth control at the time. <laughs> I was younger. It's funny because I had a girlfriend who was also nannying and that it gave her baby fever. And for me, I was like, oh gosh, not yet. Like, yeah, yeah. I love them. My parents own a school. I've grown up with kids. Like I love kids, but I really understand the word. Like it's so much. It's like a full-time job. Moms out there, like you are superheroes. You're literally working a full-time job and it's unpaid, but it's paid in other beautiful ways. Right. So that was going to be my next question is what are the physiological reasons like what is actually happening in the body that is manifesting into this symptom of postpartum anxiety and should we be thinking about like prepping the body prior to giving birth yes, yes. okay so and this <laughs> is exactly what I do in my practice is like Ideally, we start during pregnancy because we now know that there are certain nutrient deficiencies that actually increase your risk for postpartum depression and anxiety. And I also want to add that just because you have postpartum depression doesn't mean you have postpartum anxiety. And just because you have postpartum anxiety doesn't mean you have postpartum depression. Right. So, so you can have one or the other or you can have both. Yeah, because but there's also a lot of overlap. Right. And a big part of the overlap is the irritability, anxiety, peace. So they kind of get um, wish, wish washed together, but you don't have to have both necessarily. Um, I wonder if a lot of women are being, you know, quote unquote, told by their doctors or diagnosed with postpartum depression, but it's actually more postpartum anxiety because I feel like postpartum depression is talked about more. It's still not talked about enough right? Like we're, there needs to be more conversation and it definitely needs to be nor more normalized so that all these new mamas and second time mamas and third time mamas that it releases the shame and the stigma around this. Right. But I, I don't think I've ever heard anybody say to me, I had postpartum anxiety. Like I've heard, oh, I had anxiety after having a baby and I didn't know why. And no, you know, my doctor couldn't tell me why. And I've said to them, oh, I, maybe you had postpartum anxiety. Like I could see it, but I've never had somebody use that with me, but I have had people tell me postpartum depression. So anyway, sorry, what's going on in the body? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, no. But that's, that's good to highlight. Cause yeah, it's true. Um, and that's also a big part too. Again, not only just for the depression piece, but the anxiety piece is 
so many women are like, oh, who is this person that I am now? Like how you said, no anxiety before having babies. They're the calm, chill woman. Like it's fine. And then once they have babies, it's like, boom, like sudden rushes of panic, sudden, sudden rushes of being agitated, irritability. Um, another, like there are also symptoms of it that tend to go just under the rug um, that we can talk about more later or like just even the fact of like having to um, check things over and over again having um, all the yeah what are the main maybe let's do that what are some of the kind of symptoms the ones that maybe are swept under under the rug and people aren't maybe identifying that as oh this could be postpartum anxiety so there's intrusive thoughts thinking like I'm holding my baby and oh what would happen if I just threw him or her out the window things like that and that's something that many people get however if this is something that you can't control if it's then starting to really impede your life that's something so thoughts um dreams memories things like that that are um concerning to you and hard like you can't control them you can't um they're getting in the way a lot. Also, um, another one is having to be in control and also do things a certain way. Some people are like, oh, now that she's had kids, she's crazy. She has to do things this way, um, which is just ridiculous from someone looking on the outside. In reality, it's because she's so anxious about her kids' nap time or something like that. That like, And again, it's not because you're a crazy mom. You're too overbearing anything like that it's because postpartum anxiety Mm -hmm. um anyways back to like the ones that tend to go swept under the rug rug um avoiding social activities especially if you used to be okay going to them but because you might be nervous um having to um like if you feel like you're watching yourself in a movie like you feel detached um you tend to also like um forget what just happened and having those brain fog exactly the brain fog and all of these things tend to just be oh because you're a mom because you're a mom oh irritability um not being able to sleep even when you get the chance to sleep that's a big one Yes, you're going to be waking up every couple hours because of your darling baby. But when he or she is sleeping, can you sleep? Or are you sitting there, minds racing? That's a red flag. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think, I think I've named the ones that were... I'm trying to think if there was another one that a lot of people don't realize. It's really just now that you need to be in control. Um, in control, do things a certain way repeated thoughts or even having to check and recheck things all the time um but yeah and then obviously the ones of being irritable feeling panicky agitated really big worries for things that are out of context as well um like for some reason like really big fears when it comes to like now and new ones that's a big one like all of a sudden now you're afraid of seeing blood needles um things like that. Um, that's another one. Yeah. There's all these, all different ones that a lot of women just think, Oh, because I'm a new mom, I'm irritable, agitated, need to be in control, want things to be a certain way. Um, and I can't sleep, Mm -hmm. but it could be something else. Um, 
but to get back to our yeah. original, what is actually happening <laughs> we already knew we were just gonna go off because yeah. i'm like this is i'm fascinated by this because I have a lot of friends who are moms, obviously, like I am, you know, of the age where my friends are starting to pop out babies. And although that might not be my plan, we'll see where life takes us. Sorry, mom. <laughs> you get cat babies. <laughs> For now, I never say never is what I say, you know, but I'm just fascinated by it because I, I hear from them kind of what they're going through and my mind just starts racing. The second I hear of anybody struggling with any symptom, my mind just goes and I'm like, hmm, what can we do? So we already knew we were going to go off on a million tangents here, but reel it back in. What is going on body-based imbalances physiologically in the body? So again, it's very complex and what's happening to one isn't necessarily happening to the other. And even it's kind of, it's almost like there's multiple things being poured in. Like what's that called? There's, there's like the bucket theory. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Almost like that. Like, and so there's so many different reasons causing Mm -hmm. the symptom or causing the mood disorder, basically the anxiety So one thing could be contributing more than another at a certain time. And again, it's big, the time frame of it, not just being those first six weeks during those first six weeks, especially your progesterone, boom, has just flatlined. That's going to increase your propensity towards anxiety. Also your cortisol, your stress hormone is through the roof. And it's important to basically realize that cortisol, which is your stress hormone, is released not only for actual threats, someone's chasing you, but also a perceived threat, aka this newborn baby that you have never dealt with is now screaming through the night. That's a threat, actually. Mm -hmm. Your body is is processing it the same way as like there's a murderer coming after you. Mm -hmm. So your cortisol is pumping. You're in your flight or flight response. You want to escape essentially. And that already increases your anxiety. Another part of it is going to be blood sugar dysregulation. So when our blood sugar drops, basically after we eat, it spikes a little bit. Then depending on what you eat, there can be a huge drop. So what a lot of women fall into, um, not necessarily meaning to, but either it's like well-meaning people drop off donuts for the new mom. Um, she hasn't eaten. She's breastfeeding. She is insanely ravenous, just eats one. Well, now her blood sugar just fully crashes. That alone, again, is going to increase your anxiety. And now, oh my gosh, my heart is pounding. There is no reason why. Like I am sitting in a room, all of a sudden my heart is pounding and I don't know what's going on. That could be, it could be any of those things. It could like, but again, ensuring that you're nourishing your body properly, having enough protein um, is going to help. The other part too, again, is those nutrient levels. So, and this is another thing that doesn't get talked about enough is that during pregnancy, your body will preferentially give baby everything. It's a beautiful little endoparasite, basically. (laughs) (laughs) 
And I love that. I'm obsessed with parasites. So I love that you said that. Well, perfect. There you go. <laughs> and I lovingly have always just joked. I'm probably not the only one that when a baby's born, it just, it's like a little alien, you know, yes. Yes, basically. <laughs> a little alien parasite that yeah. just was in you in the most beautiful, magical way that sucked all your nutrients. And then if you're breastfeeding, it's like sucking you dry and it's beautiful and it's magical. And it's like the miracle of life. And I, again, love children, but I've always just joked about that, like to my partner. So I love that you called it. An yeah. Yeah. And I got three of them. So yeah, yeah. I got three of those little parasites, <laughs> beautiful little endoparasites I have created. How old are they now? Um, my oldest is six and a half. Then there's Aww. three and a half and one little man just turned one. Yeah. Oh I got two gosh. girls and a boy. Oh my gosh. gosh. Love it. They're, they're the sweetest, but while you're making them, while I was making, yeah. um, your body yeah, is preferentially giving baby everything that he or she needs leaving you depleted. Then again, when you breastfeed, a lot of women, then there's another stressor right there. What the heck can I eat? What should I eat? I need to make sure that I'm eating this for my baby. Mm -hmm. Your body is so incredibly smart and is going to be giving him or her everything he or she needs at your expense. So by not taking care of yourself or not having someone supporting you, basically, which Again, this is, it's not intentional at all. You, you've created this baby and now they are your priority. You get put on the back burner in your own mind. And a lot of the times, especially how the system is right now, nobody really focuses on mom, but now you're just giving and giving and giving and giving and your nutrient levels are going to be getting lower and lower and lower and lower and lower. For example, iron, iron is important for blood production. You create a human's worth of blood. Then as you're breastfeeding, more iron loss, well, especially through um, labor and delivery, you're bleeding more for mm -hmm. uh, around like six weeks after you still are bleeding, healing. Um, so you're losing a lot of iron. If that store isn't replenished, well, now we know uh, iron deficiency actually increases your risk of postpartum depression and anxiety. Mm -hmm. So that is definitely something, at least in my practice, that while, while a woman is in pregnancy, we are testing these levels because I want you to be going into postpartum as optimized as possible. That way, when babe starts, like, yes, if you trip up on taking your supplements for a week, like, okay, it's fine, yeah, exactly. If you're already been optimized, it's okay. It's not another mm -hmm. thing that you need to guilt yourself on. Um, but yeah, those are basically nutrient levels are huge, um, with depletions. And again, then from the diet piece, a lot of the times, I mean, just in common society, our food sucks. Like, and it's sad. The standard American diet is sad. That is quite literally the acronym guys. <laughs> literally. Yeah, exactly. And like, if you're tired, you haven't slept. Well, yeah, you're, your willingness to prepare a six hour organically grown meal might be out the out the window but then you're not replenishing those nutrients that you need that are now deficient and contributing to your anxiety it's screwing with your blood sugar which is now causing you more anxiety irritability fatigue um and yeah that's uh, it's just not helping we need yeah. to make sure that we're nourishing our mamas so much better then she can feel better and also take care of 
not only take care of baby, which is really important, but she needs to, she needs to be taken care of. Like, it's crazy. It's crazy after you have a baby and you realize how much changes and how much support you need. And this is another key with like, because I tend to work with a lot of high performing women, women that have been able to do all of it on their own. And this was my reality too. I asking for help was a weakness in my mind. Yeah. So I'm still working on that in therapy. I really struggle to ask for support. (laughs) It's hard. It's hard. And then when you're literally like, just like, you're just so vulnerable in the beginning when you have, when you just have a baby, you're cracked open, like emotionally, like energetically, and you don't know what you're doing, but you've never been someone to ask for help, but you need support so badly. It's just such a crazy, vicious cycle that then you end up, yeah, you're going to be anxious and irritable and trying to figure these things out on your own if we don't have the if we're not supporting these moms like yeah no wonder they feel this way because they're not supported and it's like so hard to go through that that time Mm -hmm. and it's not you it's not your personality it's not just I guess this is how I'm going to be as a mom now and it's hard because when usually when we look around and we ask for support for other moms it's almost just like this echo chamber of everybody else feeling the same way and so it's normalized to feel that way when really feeling that way is not normal hey 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 i am quickly interrupting this episode because if you are like me and you are a visual learner i wanted to let you know about my free one hour webinar class called the three secrets to natural anxiety banishment that walks you through well the three secrets to natural anxiety banishment, specifically how to optimize your digestive function, how to fix your gut, how to eat in a way that boosts natural neurotransmitter production and reduce inflammation, and how to bring your hormones back into balance. I love podcasts for listening to when I'm on walks or driving or cooking or cleaning. They inspire me and give me so many aha moments, but I am a visual learner, so I benefit the most when I can see the information presented in a clear and organized manner, like a slideshow. I don't really remember or retain information that well when it's just presented verbally, which is exactly what I have done for you in my Three Secrets to Natural Anxiety Banishment training. And within that training, I share the top things that you need to be doing to optimize digestive function, boost neurotransmitter production, bring your hormones back into balance, all in a beautiful slideshow. So if you haven't watched that, hit the link in the show notes to get your copy of the three secrets to natural anxiety banishment free training emailed right to you. Okay, back to the episode. Exactly. And that's also exactly what happened. I literally went to my family doctor. I love him. I've got a good one. But oh, lucky. I need a good one. I know. I know. (laughs) This was after my second daughter. I told him, I'm like, I'm so exhausted. I'm irritable. I don't know what's going on. And he literally said, Oh, welcome to motherhood. Like, yeah, of course. And that was like my, Ooh, but I am not going to live the rest of my life feeling this way. I will not succumb to the tired mom life or irritable mom life. Like, no, I'm just not that kind of person. And I 
And that also basically helped me be where I am now and how I help moms. Cause I'm like, no, this whole like normalized, oh, you're a mom. Yeah. You're like shit. Like, can I, of course you're tired. Yes, you can swear. (laughs) (laughs) But like, yeah, of course you're tired. Of course you're irritable. Of course you can't lose weight. Of course you're anxious. You're a mom now. Like this is life forever. Uh, no, like why would like, why in my mind for me, I'm like, why are we succumbing to this? This is horrible. Mind you. It's like the support and society and stuff like that. But that's oh, so many layers. <laughs> exactly. Again, yeah. we have one hour. So yeah. we'll keep yeah. it going. But yeah, that basically led me down finding my own practice and having a maternal based practice because we are just changing the game. Changing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I want to circle back to blood sugar because a hot topic is sleep and balancing your blood sugar is not just about what you eat, although that plays a massive role, but your sleep quality plays a really big role in this as well. How much you sleep, what time you go to sleep, how much you wake up during the night. So this is a tricky one for new moms because if their baby is waking up multiple times in the middle of the night and you know not sleeping throughout the night yet, well, how are they supposed to get this optimal sleep? Like, what are your suggestions there? So it is, it is a tough situation. And this is basically one where you need to have your other supports boosted. So yes, you're waking up multiple times through the night. I mean, ideally, like if you have a partner, if he or she is willing to and able to kind of do any night feeds, do any um, night tending to the baby. Yeah, that's going to get you a longer stretch of sleep asking for support. Again, sometimes we aren't there yet as new moms. You're just not there yet to ask for support, which like is okay. At the same time, I just want to throw it out there that it's not, it's not weakness to ask for support. And like, Mm -hmm. so kind of trying to find other people that can support if your mom's around or mother-in-law. Um, but at the same time, it's also going to be again, having those other supports really supported like the nutrients and the diet okay like yes you woke up six times at night throughout the night you're up you're tired but just know okay if I properly nourish my body right now then I can control my blood sugar enough that this is my baseline fatigue whereas if you do the whole I've been up all night. Oh, I deserve a treat. I'm going to have an iced coffee and a donut. No judgment. They are delish. But I literally bought some donuts today because I'm bringing them over to my mother-in-law's later. So no judgment. Okay. And there's and there's dairy and there's sugar and I'm fine with it. (laughs) But but it's like a a once a month thing, you know? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But just knowing that, okay, I was up six times. If I have this donut, that's going to make me feel even worse. So really capitalizing on where you can, really adding those. It's almost like a buffer. That's the word I'm trying to look for, a buffer in that Mm -hmm. I can't stop your baby from waking up every two, four, however many hours, but we can actually optimize you and give you some buffers so you can cope, so you can deal. And a big, big, big part of it, which is a big piece that's missing a lot of the times is nutrition. 
proper nutrition. Um, one thing that I love that I will share, um, quick little like hack is, um, in the mornings when you first wake up and if you are super tired, get sunlight on your face. Mm -hmm. So ideally you're not wearing sunglasses, anything like that. And bonus, (laughs) right? I think this has come up on so many episodes. I'm like, take your sunglasses (laughs) off. I love it. I love it. Your followers are like sunglass free, but if you, if you can do like bare feet in the grass, that's like 50 bonus points because then you add the grounding component. But what that's doing is the light from the sun is triggering that cortisol spike. Now, yes, I talked about cortisol earlier. It's a stress hormone. However, we want it. It's when it's dysregulated that we have issues. We we want it to be high in the morning. So you are jumping out of bed, feeling fire, can do all of the things. If that's not happening and you were up multiple times, get outside, get the sunlight on your face, and be there for at least 10 to 15 minutes. Obviously, do not look directly into the sun. I don't want any messages. Yes. <laughs> Please don't bl- don't like stare yeah. at the sun. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But another key thing, especially for my moms who have like winter babies and they're like, I don't want to go outside and get sunlight on my face. You can actually get full spectrum light bulbs from the hardware store that mimic the sun. And if you put those in your bathroom, put them in your bedroom, wherever you're going to be in the morning for like 10 to 15 minutes, it actually has the same effect. Mm. So it's another kind of way of hacking. Like, yes, you were up six times. Now we're going to biohack your body into being energized as much as possible. Is that like the happy lights? Is that the same thing? Or are you talking about something different? Have you seen those, those big bright? So I have a, a red light, which is different. Like I have a red and near infrared light, which is different. Although it does provide similar benefits to sunlight, but it does not replace the sun. <laughs> and it is not the same thing as getting sunlight, you know, in your eyes, in your face mm-hmm. uh, as much as possible first thing in the morning. So I still go for my walks to do that. But um, these, you know, they're like these big white lights, I guess, that you close your eyes and you kind of bask your face in front of they're called happy lights and they've gotten like blown up for like seasonal depression and and things like that I'm wondering if that's what you're talking about the light bulb is the same yeah maybe maybe I get some women though just to even put them in their bathroom because that's smart I like that especially if they have a toddler sometimes a three-year-old needs a bath right in the morning so we get up turn on the lights and then you're in the bathroom anyway and it's two for one where you're keeping the kids happy and you are energizing yourself. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, What about yoga nidra during the day as a way to kind of support the body? um, If you're waking up so much throughout the night, are you a fan of that? So I'm going to be honest. I don't know what yoga nidra is. (laughs) Oh my gosh. You need to look it up. (laughs) I do. Yeah. I'm a yoga and meditation teacher. So in addition, yeah maybe this will be something I have to add yeah look into it yeah so I get all my um new mama clients I I don't usually work with pregnant women in fact I don't work with pregnant women unless they happen to get pregnant while we're working together bonus but usually I say like circle back kind of six months postpartum because they should be going to someone like you (laughs) (laughs) but um 
when I do work with new moms who have, you know, a six month, eight month, one year old, two year old, or even just a four, five, six year old, but they're sick. So they're waking up multiple times throughout the night for a couple of days, right? Um, I get them to do a 20 minute yoga nidra during the day instead of having a nap or when they feel like they have a nap or if they get some, you know, if the kids are off to school or daycare or they their partner take them for 20 minutes and let me do my thing. Yeah, I get them to do yoga nidra, which is it translates into like a yoga sleep. And it provides the body with a lot of the benefits of like a full night deep sleep. Again, it doesn't replace sleep, but it's like a body scan, but a yoga version of a body scan. That sounds so cool. Yeah, you should look into it. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to. There's an app called Insight Timer. It's free and you can just type in Yoga Nidra and you can check it out. Oh, perfect. Look at this. We learn something new every day. Exactly. Amazing. Okay. So you talked about iron. We talked about how important diet is. What are some other kind of key nutrients that you're looking for during pregnancy? Like, for example, would it be a good idea to stay on a prenatal through breastfeeding? Oh my gosh. Yeah. hundred okay. percent. And that's another common thing. That's another thing that is not common. However, no, nobody knows that it's like no. baby comes and they get off the prenatal Right. Exactly. And no, 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 no. First and foremost, you need to be on a good prenatal. We need a quality. Can you explain what that is for people? (laughs) Yes. So big ones we want to look at like the iron in it, because again, as we've said, iron is so important. You want it to be a, a very like gentle on the tummy and easily absorbed. I like like iron glycinate. Mm-hmm. However, if you look on the side and it's like ferrous fumarate, malate, oxide, these are all just different forms of the iron. And these ones pretty much like barely get absorbed and they're constipating. Mm-hmm. So naturally with pregnancy, you're already constipated due to the higher hormones. However, then we add this and then it constipates you further and we don't want that. So anyways, you want a good quality prenatal that has... um a good form of iron in it, you want it to have actually folate. So it's not folic acid. And that's because some folic acid actually needs to be converted into folate. Some people can't do this. Excuse me, can't do this. So what you want is methylated folate. Um, It's a methylated folate, a good form of iron. Ideally too, it's in multiple doses because this is gonna increase absorbability. And then you're using- not a one a day, which I, my girlfriend was pregnant last year and I put her on like, not the stuff at the drugstore at like, you know, in, in where I'm from, it's shoppers, drug mart, for example, like those Jameson brand, not that like a professional quality. If it's within your means, definitely investing in a professional line of, um, a, uh, prenatal it's funny my girlfriend when she was pregnant she was like really like I need to take this like three times a day and I was like yes like a one a day isn't doing anything yeah exactly it's just wasted money essentially Mm -hmm. and causing more issues because again usually you get constipated or nauseous or whatever after and is your body actually even absorbing it like just because you take it like you talked about the different forms that's so important like just because you're taking a supplement it doesn't your body might be like what is this exactly. <laughs> what do you want me to do with this exactly or it, yeah or it can't again yeah it can't 
yeah, that's why we needed the methylated folate version. Um, but yeah, then after you have baby, so something I like to explain is you have a baby, then dun dun dun, you have the placenta, you pass the placenta. The placenta is literally, if you haven't seen one before or if you never got to see yours, it is basically a plate-sized organ. It's so incredible, so cool. It's so cool. At the same time, you have that size of a wound inside of you now. So yeah, this, I feel like I could go on forever about this. <laughs> that? It's like, so that's why you need to rest. And that's also what I try to hit home in that, like, if your husband had a plate size wound on your chest, or if it was on your chest, you'd be so much more likely to be like, oh my God, I need to be taking my supplements. I need to facilitate the healing of this. I need to rest. Or you would make your, your partner rest you would make your partner take all of their supplements you would make their partner do yeah you have a gaping wound in your chest chill <laughs> exactly instead oh it's just hidden in your uterus so yeah. moms are like yeah i had a baby three days ago i'm gonna go to the mall and walk around <laughs> which i literally had a woman message me about being like oh after i did a reel on that she was like that makes sense why i was so exhausted walking around the mall two days postpartum i'm like yeah you should like this is why we need to continue to take our prenatal because you need to facilitate the healing of your body. But then also, if you are breastfeeding, you are losing again, your body preferentially is giving baby everything. It's like, here, babe, you need this. Mama's got you. But who's got mama, right? Mm -hmm. So that's why we need to be taking our prenatals to be replenishing these. So what I usually recommend is if you are breastfeeding, even continue to take your prenatal until six weeks after you've stopped breastfeeding. Because yes, we have been a, it's been a buffer keeping your like levels high. Um, but once you stop, we need to, we need to get them back up. So that's kind of adds that extra little buffer. If you're not breastfeeding, then I still recommend it six weeks after birth mm, or depending on exactly. Or when you have decided to, to stop breastfeeding basically. Um, but yeah, because we need to, you need to build yourself back up, but ensuring that it is a quality prenatal is huge as well. Mm -hmm. Hello, me again, interrupting this episode just one last time, because I really need to take a quick minute to invite you if you're ready to join breaking up with anxiety my four-month group coaching program for women who are ready to break up with their anxiety for good. By the end of our four months together, not only will you have completely rebalanced your gut, your hormones, and built a flexible nervous system, but you will have the tools and resources that you need to keep your anxiety away so it doesn't come creeping back down the road. Through simple dietary changes, my signature root cause specific gut and hormone supplement protocol, powerful stress management and nervous system regulation techniques, psychotherapy based workshops, and the support of myself and all your other breaking up with anxiety ladies, this is going to be the best goddamn breakup of your life. But in order to give each woman who joins the program the support she needs throughout the journey, there are always only 12 spots available for enrollment each month. And right now, there are a few spots left. 
when you break up with someone that isn't right for you, it's always a relief. Breaking up with your anxiety isn't just a relief. It's completely life-changing. If you are ready to show up for yourself, do the work and change your life, click the link in the show notes to sign up for Breaking Up With Anxiety today or head over to www.tejandro.com forward slash breaking dash up dash with dash anxiety. Okay, back to the episode. Okay, I have a question. So what about at the beginning, we talked about the women who didn't have anxiety prior to giving birth. What about the women who do have anxiety prior to giving birth? And there, because I used, this used to be me. When I had my anxiety and panic disorder and depression, yay. <laughs> um, I was, at the time I wanted kids. I was in my early twenties and I, I wanted, you know, that white picket house and I wanted to be a lawyer and I was going to get married and have the big wedding and have kids because that's what, society had imposed on me. That's what I had been told I wanted. That's what my mothers want, you know? So I, in my early twenties, I was like, yeah, this is absolutely what I want. It's actually not what I want, but that's a whole other story. (laughs) But at the time I was 21 when I was diagnosed and it, it was really bad for four years before I learned all of this stuff that we talk about and I talk about and was able to eliminate it all. And I was petrified like I I literally was like I will never be able to have kids because I won't survive postpartum I used to think that to myself I didn't even know about postpartum anxiety I only knew about postpartum depression and I used to think to myself I cannot have kids if I have anxiety and that was a motivating factor at the time for me to be like okay I want to figure this out because I want a family one day and there's zero way that I can have children because I'm I will get postpartum so bad. Like I used to think that to myself. So what about the women in that situation who have anxiety, panic, maybe depression, and they're, they want a family. They're not like me. They actually want a family (laughs) and they're scared to start that process because they don't want their mental health getting worse. And 100, 100%, that's a valid, it's a valid thought and totally something if this is what you're thinking, to get support on. And again, this is where being proactive is so important because unfortunately, if you already have anxiety, you already have depression, you are at increased risk. Mm -hmm. You have those nutrient deficiencies already. You have compromised digestive function. You probably have imbalanced blood sugar. Like you have things already that, that will be magnified. Exactly. And that's basically that, that, that's a good way of putting it is that the magnification of it. So basically being proactive, trying to get, like, if you can get to a place where your anxiety, depression, and everything is managed, um, then obviously you can, you can get pregnant while you're not managed, but Mm -hmm. ensuring at least you have that support of someone throughout your pregnancy. So then you have that time to, now you're aware, now, you know, okay, this, I may or may not just because you have anxiety doesn't mean you're going to mm-hmm. have really bad postpartum anxiety that it does not happen every time. It's not cor- like correlation is not, is it causation is not correlation? Correlation is not causation. Correlation does not mean causation. So it's exactly. not a given. Yeah. You yeah. do have an increased risk, but mm-hmm. doesn't mean it's going to happen. So having someone in your corner taking care of you, 
check all your nutrient levels, really understand the nutrition component of everything. That way you have your bases covered, you have your bases optimized. And being aware of these red flags, being aware of what it means, what is postpartum anxiety versus this is just new motherhood. So being aware of like, oh, I need to, uh, I'm, I'm, so if you already have the anxiety piece, for example, you, you do sit and you feel agitated already. You do feel panicky and knowing though that, okay, yes, postpartum anxiety can look like that, but at the same time, it can also look at needing to control things. It, it can be like not being able to not check things multiple times, having those intrusive thoughts that don't go away, um, being nervous, going to social activities or even avoiding them. One is actually like being nervous of being judged by other people. Like, so knowing these other um, symptoms that aren't the typical anxiety piece. If you already have anxiety, understanding that this is what it's gonna look like before you have babe, then you know. And you can even have a conversation with your partner because a lot of the times we don't see ourselves as well as our partner does. So, and being in that fourth trimester, this is like the 12 weeks after you've had a baby, you are just so bombarded with all this new stuff, basically, that you may not realize how your mood is or what what's also going on. So it's good for your partner to kind of be aware as well. On that note too, it's not just for those first six weeks, not just in a lot of women think that, oh, I got through the first six weeks, first 12 weeks. I didn't have postpartum depression or anxiety. Oh, I'm in the clear. In reality, the I see more women at about six to nine months is when it hits. I'm so glad you brought that up because I have noticed that as well in intake sessions. Again, most of the women I work with, they have already had their babies, but obviously I do a very in-depth intake as you would as well. And I am noticing that. So that's really interesting that you're saying that. And I'm glad you are. Yeah. So just being aware of that. And again, not internalizing or not thinking that, okay, this is just my life now. I feel this way because I'm a shitty mom, because I'm not meant for this. And that is not the case. That is not the case at all. Being aware that if you have these thoughts, there's something else going on, something physiological too. It's not just in your mind. It's not because you're weak. It's not because you're not meant to be a mom. It's not because this, you aren't coping and you're just not enough, which is just so easy to drown in those thoughts mm-hmm. that knowing that, okay, there's something else going on. It's physiological, not just in your head. And therefore there are supports that can be put in pay- place. And again, your partner knowing, being aware of these things. So he or she knows when, okay, maybe we need to reach out to someone now. Um, and I, and having someone taking care of you. This is exactly what I do. I do like not, our care doesn't end at six weeks because your healing doesn't end at six weeks. And again, if postpartum anxiety and depression tend to peak around six to nine months, why the hell are we- What's that telling you? Yeah. Yeah. Like what is that telling you about what's happening in your body? Yeah, exactly. So having, ensuring that you're check, you're taking care of yourself. You're having someone check in on you. Um, super important. Yeah. And I just want to point out, cause you said this a few times. Um, and, and th- what we're just talking about is reminding me of this, you know, if it's manifesting six, eight, nine months later, first of all, that is freaking incredible that your body 
has held it together yeah. <laughs> for six to nine months that only now that system is man that symptoms manifesting number one number two when we were talking about the lack of sleep and you were saying well if we have the dietary support and the nutrient support and the other supports in place then that will actually be a buffer again how friggin' incredible of your body that you can actually buffer not sleeping for a little bit when sleep is so paramount Right. So I just really want to like pause and, and just have everybody think about this. Like even growing a freaking baby, you just grew a baby. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like the, the female body, first of all, is incredible, but Absolutely. the human body in general is incredible. And a lot of the language we use is like, you know, my body's against me. Like we think we're separate than our body and our body's like out to get us when we don't realize how much of a role we play in what's happening and the symptoms that are manifesting. And again, this is a whole other topic that we won't even talk about, but it's still culturally and in society, everything still falls on the mom. And you, it depends, again, what in the family union and, and in the culture and, and what's going on. It could be the most divided partnership where you really do 50-50, but it's still, the mom is still going to take on more. Yeah. The mom, the way I explain it is, if, if you think of the family as a car, the mom is the engine. Mm, like if she, she goes down, everybody goes down. Yet- a lot of moms are functioning very like just getting by they're on the back burner, which again, it's not intentional. Like, but a lot of the, there's no focus on the mom. And when in reality, like if she is taking care of her cup is full, she is well nourished. She is. Everyone benefits. Right. Exactly. Literally the whole car benefits. Like yeah. it, it runs better, runs smoother. And yeah, then you got a happy engine yet. Like, so, and that's one of the things why I feel like maternal health is so important because can you imagine though, how many families there are if every single mom was well-nourished, had optimal nutrient levels, like was supported properly? How many, that ripple effect? I know, I know. I have goosebumps. Right? Yeah. Right? I'm like, oh, and that's why, again, I could shout this from the rooftops where I'm like, we need to be focusing on the mothers, but that's exactly what we do. So yeah. yeah, just the ripple effect of if we fix, if we just improve maternal health, the way it could just literally change the whole world. Like if you think about it, it, it boggles my mind as to like, I can go down the rabbit hole of like, so why aren't we doing this? But oh, instead of that, I'm just going to be the change. I'm just going to be the change. And that is exactly what. I'm focused on one of my teachers in school she's a doula but she was also a chiro she is a chiropractic doctor but she doesn't practice as a chiro anymore she's a doula and the horror stories she would tell us about like how women are treated when they're giving birth I would literally go home to my partner and be like well this is why I'm not having a baby and like you know just kidding like if I really wanted one I would still do it but it would make me so angry I would see red I would just be like, this is infuriating. <laughs> mm -hmm. No, it's it's very easy to go down the spiral of like, what is happening? Why is this happening and stuff? Instead, I choose to, yes. let's, okay, so what can, we, what can we do about it? We can like explain 
most women don't realize that what they're feeling that you shouldn't feel that way Mm -hmm. and that there are supports and there are ways to feel better because yeah like how we said before it's not like oh tired mom life you're a mom now you're doomed like no you actually can have energy you actually can be calm you can actually like enjoy life while also being a mom Mm -hmm. so and then show your kids that right and that's huge and that's why I have two girls and I am like just trying to I'm probably very obvious even though I try to be cool and subtle I try to be like me me. be like I'm so cool I'm a cool (laughs) mom I'm a healthy mom (laughs) right exactly vitamins are cool right girls and they're like that's how I would be if I ever have human children and my partner is kind of like he'll be the one sneaking them candy which is fine you know balance is important but I would literally be like from an early age telling them about all the things Oh yeah. Watch mommy work out. Come work out with me. Watch mommy do yoga. Watch mommy go on her daily walk. (laughs) Oh yeah. Oh yeah. My kids have like, they, which I love, they have their little like kid anatomy books that like my oldest Chloe for the youngest, especially because I was in school. So like in the womb, I wrote one of my licensing exams with Chloe. So she like was at my graduation and everything like that. (laughs) that. Oh yeah. And then with Lila, my second, I wrote my second, um, uh licensing exam with her so I always like say like you guys basically are also your doctors yeah you're basically a doctor guys like (laughs) obviously not do not ask my kids medical advice but (laughs) but yeah no they just encouraging that and again trying to change change it for future generations at least but get them to see like mommy's doing these things help her feel better so you didn't didn't can do the same. Yeah. I saw I, just... I do have a son as well, obviously, but sorry. No, but no, no. So he can also see. It's important for the boys too. He's only one, so I'm not giving him the no, it's very important of... for the boys to see too. Exactly. But he can he'll uh he'll see all the strong women in his life. Mm-hmm. I just saw um like a quote before I jumped on to to chat with you. That and I've seen it a few times now. It's not the first time I've seen it, but it was like, imagine if all the little girls were taught to hold strong boundaries instead of taught to be polite. And I was like, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> love that. Okay, let's wrap up this amazing combo with, and I know this is going to be hard to answer. <laughs> Every time I ask my guests this, they're just like, oh my gosh, only five. But what would your top five first steps be? Not total steps, but just like, what would your top five? first steps be for women who are struggling with postpartum anxiety or, or who think there's maybe after listening to this episode are like, Oh, maybe I'm struggling with postpartum anxiety. Yeah. So five is hard. Yeah. Very hard. <laughs> but I'll do my best. Um, first and foremost, step one is going to be, yeah. Acknowledging that there could be something going on, that this is more than just in your head. Acknowledging that uh, again, it's not that I'm a crappy mom. It's not that I'm not coping well. It's not that I'm not meant to do this. Something can be going on and that there is no shame with reaching out for help. Um, My DMs are always open, always open. Even if you don't even know, if you're like, this could be anxiety, but I'm not sure. Shoot me a message. I love to chat. So yeah, 
you can, I'm sure we'll share my, uh, yeah, at the end, yeah. I'll tell you, and you'll send me all these links. Yes. <laughs> Number two is going to be, well, I guess that feeds off of that is going to be finding a practitioner that understands the complexity of postpartum anxiety. It is not a one size fits all sort of thing as with like postpartum depression as well. And just postpartum care in general, maternal care in general, what's happening to one woman isn't necessarily what's causing the other one. So it, causing it in someone else. So it's important to really recognize that. Don't get your advice from your mama friends, just like your mom's group. Again, the Facebook groups. Oh, <laughs> those yeah. are great. Those support groups. But I can I can only imagine how sometimes they might snowball into exactly some negativity. Yeah, Is it that what I'm trying to say. Everybody almost just complaining. Like yeah, I've seen so many. Like yeah, just don't don't ask for help help in a mom's group please don't or if someone else if you're asking for help and they kind of turn it to about them um or yeah just don't just find a professional please um I mean such as a naturopathic doctor Mm -hmm. I'm I'm here I'm I'm available I'm (laughs) available (laughs) um number three actually would be getting blood work done because full and complete labs not what your medical doctor runs Yes. So I, and I'm surprised we actually didn't cover this earlier, but what I usually do and what I recommend is something called a complete blood count. This looks at your, your red blood cells. How big are they? How much hemoglobin's in them? Lots of information. You want a complete blood count. Then you want your ferritin. This is your iron. Um, then you want your vitamin B12 is also important. Also your vitamin D and then a thyroid panel. Not just I'm surprised we actually didn't talk about postpartum thyroiditis. Maybe we'll have to yeah. do another, we'll have to do another episode about that. <laughs> Looks like we're just gonna have to Part do another two. One. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, right? But yeah, a whole panel, not just TSH. TSH is the um signal from your brain to your thyroid it's a feedback loop so your thyroid already needs to be wonky before tsh goes off the charts or changes so we want an actual thyroid panel and again too with postpartum thyroiditis which can show up after you have a baby you want to be looking at so antibodies so there's anti-tpo anti-tg um also then your yes tsh is in a thyroid panel, but also your free T4, your free T3, and your reverse T3. Um, Yeah, I could go in. These are the hormones that your thyroid is actually producing. Um, T4 is inactive. It gets changed into T3, so your body can use it. However, if things are going off, such as you have high cortisol, remember we talked about like having high stress, even perceived threats, you have a baby screaming that you've never dealt with before, your cortisol can be high. And that's actually going to cause your body to turn T4 into reverse T3 instead of actual T3 to use, which is then slowing down your thyroid. And then you get a myriad of symptoms. So yeah. And the solution for that, and again, we're, uh, we're, I'm just saying this now, we're doing a part two and we're going to talk about postpartum thyroiditis, but what is happening is women are just being put on thyroid medication right away when there is so much, so much that you can do to avoid that. If you want, if you want to go on it, cool. Like I'm always super supportive of every, anyone's decision, but if you, you know, wanted to look at the root causes first, you could also do that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And that's step that was step three. three. Yeah. yeah that I, was know, step like, three. I feel like <laughs> tangents. Um, but anyway, step four, I guess the, the important thing would be like, 
nourishment, proper nourishment, try to focus on, and this is easy to say in like me sitting here, I understand it is easy for me to say because it's not as available to other people, but trying to avoid added sugars, refined sugars, really, again, focusing on more nourishing feel, nourishing foods um, and more protein is going to be important. Number five would basically be like having the mindfulness piece, um, really trying to take deep breaths and not even just deep breaths, but even you could do something. I teach like box breathing, for example. Mm-hmm. Inhale to a count of four, hold for a count of four, exhale to a count of four, exhale for a count of, like hold that for a count of four and continuing to do that. Just trying to get yourself back in your body. Again, there are so many other things that you can do for it, but if I'm limited to five, mm-hmm. it's going to be also the mind mindfulness piece because you need to be aware of, oh, I'm feeling anxious right now. If you can get that before you're screaming at everybody, before you're in tears because you don't know why you're feeling the way that you are. If you can kind of be like, oh, I am anxious. Okay, so let's try and really push you into the more parasympathetic state. This is our rest and digest, our calm state. Breathing is huge for that. There's also other visualizations you can do, really trying to like like imagine almost roots coming out of your feet. I love that one. Pushing all that extra anxiety energy through to the ground. Um, Things like that. That's, and that's, that's, yeah, this is tough just for five, but I'm going to cut it off there. Yeah. And those are excellent. And that's going to get, give so much to people listening. (laughs) Those are five things that you don't read. And you're like, mommy, you know, those books before you give birth, like that, the one that's been around for like 60 years, (laughs) my friends are reading what my mother read, you know, and I'm like, okay, we need like an updated version and maybe it's been updated, but it's not, um, not holistic, let's yes. say. Important info, but it's not all the information. Oh, okay, this is so good. I'm excited for part two. <laughs> where can everyone find you? Where do you hang out? How can they work with you? Um, so mostly Instagram. I'm on TikTok as well. Um, oh, you are. I'm avoiding I- it. <laughs> Um, I love it. I love TikTok, but Instagram, I'd say I'm there more. Um, mm-hmm. but at Dr. Jenna Priesta, my handle's the same throughout. And yeah, I'm I see patients all throughout Ontario. I'm licensed in Ontario. Um, but even if you're outside of Ontario and you're just unsure of how you're feeling, is like, do you need help or not? Like my DMs are open for worldwide. I can at least tell you, like, yeah, you you should go see someone or something like that. And you do you have resources that are worldwide as well? Yeah. So I actually have a um, prestigious postpartum program, which is put together to optimize women and really help them through. This one's more so focused on that fourth trimester, the first 12 weeks postpartum, but it goes through basically proper nourishment. There's um, yoni healing. So perineal healing. Lots Love of- it. Right. Love it. Yeah. All of the different <laughs> botanical washes to help. Cause even if you don't tear your yoni, your you're you you, it needs some some love it needs some love it has done so much for you and it needs some love and there's c-section support in there um but yeah it's really put together to help with the stress energy physical healing all of the healing that happens in that fourth trimester is my prestigious postpartum program 
Okay, amazing. We're going to link that as well. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And um, I mean, I'll talk to you and I'll see you next time for part two. I know this part two. I'm so excited for it. Thank you so much for having me. This was great. <laughs>not just part of your personality, and there are body-based imbalances that need to be addressed in order to truly be free from chronic anxiety. With awareness comes action, and the more people this podcast can reach, the less people will struggle with anxiety. And positive reviews are the number one way to help new people discover the show. You are the best. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you so, so, so much. One last thing. My legal medical disclaimer. The Breaking Up With Anxiety podcast with me, Taylor Jandro, is for general information and educational purposes only. And the advice and recommendations I give or my guests give throughout the episodes do not replace medical advice. The consumption of this podcast does not qualify as a practitioner-client relationship with me, and the use and implementation of the information discussed are at the sole discretion of the listener. Yes, I am a nutritionist, but I am not your nutritionist. So please discuss any changes with your primary healthcare provider. Okay, that's it. Until the next episode. Bye for now.